The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus told his disciples this parable. The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones, when taking their lamps, brought no oil with them, but the wise brought flasks of oil with their lamps. Since the bridegroom was long delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight there was a cry, Behold the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise ones replied, No, for there may not be enough for us and you. Go instead to the merchants and buy some for yourselves. While they went off to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went into the wedding feast with him. Then the door was locked. Afterwards, the other virgins came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he said in reply, Amen, I say to you, I do not know you. Therefore, stay awake, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The Gospel of the Lord. One particular Saturday, when I was probably about 11 years old, my parents went to the LSU game. They left me at home because they figured they could trust me, being a little bit older, that I wouldn't mess up anything terribly while they were gone. And they left me with three rules. Don't go swimming, don't have any friends over, and stay here. Yes, sir. So they went off to the game. And I immediately called my friend Stephen, and I said, hey, my parents went to the game. Come over. Let's go swimming. So Stephen came, and we went swimming. He brought some friends with him, in fact, as well. I figured we had long enough time before my parents would come back. They wouldn't even notice the water on the ground. It would dry up. After we had gone swimming, Stephen said, hey, let's go ride bikes. Awesome. And off we went. We were riding around in a subdivision, going about a big circle, and we rode by Stephen's house, and there was his mom in the front yard, and she waved at me as I drove by, and I waved back, thinking she was just saying, hey, and she said, Brent, go home. Your mom said, come home. Okay. In that moment, the lump in my throat felt like I was unable to breathe, and my stomach felt like it dropped through the bottom of the road below me. I had been caught and totally unprepared. I figured I had plenty of time. I mean, an LSU game, that's hours. You got to go there. It's an hour to get there. It's a three-hour game. It's another hour coming back. I got plenty of time. I never anticipated them leaving at halftime. In the gospel today, there are five foolish virgins who are caught totally unprepared. They thought they had more time. They didn't expect the Lord to come when he did, of course, the bridegroom. They figured he would come another day. They had time tomorrow to go get some oil for their lamps. 
It wasn't a big deal. And yet when he comes, they are unprepared. And they hear, not just go home, but I do not know you. I do not know you. Unlike my parents who grounded me for a week, the I do not know you of Christ is far more consequential. It is definitive. It is lasting. And it is of the greatest sorrow that a human soul could ever, ever hear. To stand before the just judge and to hear him say, I do not know you, is far beyond anything that this world could bring in the ways of sadness or sorrow or being caught. I do not know you are the words of condemnation. They are the words that we are lost. The message then is clear for us today. Always to be prepared. Never to be caught off guard to some degree, unprepared, when the Lord may come in his glory. This is an important thing for us to remember because the Lord came 2,000 years ago. He took on flesh 2,000 years ago in a, in a small village. And when he died, he said he would come back. The first apostles, they thought it was soon, and so they lived like it. They rushed around as quickly as humanly possible all around the known world to spread the gospel that as many people as, as, as might be possible would hear the gospel and be saved. They were on fire for the gospel, and they went with fervor to spread it. And you can hear early accounts in the early church of them wrestling with the reality when, when, when 20 years passed, when 30 years passed, when 50 years passed, when 100 years passed, and Jesus didn't come back. There was great confusion. He said he was coming back. He is coming back, right? He said he was coming back. Well, it's been 100 years. Why hasn't he returned? And in a similar fashion, how much more 2,000 years later? It is easy for us to presume because for 2,000 years, <laughs> he hadn't come back yet. <laughs> for 2,000 years, we've been waiting. And how easy it is for us to become comfortable with this. How easy to presume that I'll do that tomorrow. I'll do that further down the line. I'll do that when I get to retirement age. I'll do that whenever, insert whatever it is that we have as a goal. It's easy for us always to presume upon these things because for 2,000 years the Lord has been patiently abiding in heaven before he comes again in his glory. It's easy for us to be comfortable here and to only be content with our lamps and the oil flask being just a little extra in the tank, but not full. But the Lord invites us to ensure that they are indeed full. But how do we do this? One, by going to confession regularly. 
Confession, of course, is a necessary part of the spiritual life because it's the place where when we fall short, not if, when we fall short, we go there and the Lord is able to forgive us of our sins. The longer we wait to go between our confessions, the longer the list gets when we risk standing before the Lord who is the just judge. This is why I've always encouraged people to go regularly to confession. The church requires of us at least once a year to clean the house of our soul. Even better if we can go once a month. People think I'm crazy when I suggest going once a week. But these are good things to ensure that our house is in order. The house of our soul is ready for the master to come to make a visit. Be freed of our sins. Secondly, to seek to make amends. One of the constant refrains in the gospel is that of peace. Seeking reconciliation between individuals. And so indeed, to heed the words of the scriptures and to ensure that we are not at odds with others for any enduring amount of time, to the, much that we, to the extent that we can be. Certainly there are times where someone may have something against us and we can't you know, we, we can only do our part. But to be willing, to be willing to make amends, to be reconciled, this is a great grace for us. And our Lord holds out the opportunity. But most of all, to pray. To be a person of prayer, to have regular recourse to prayer, and not, not simply just just the rote prayers that we know. Indeed, these are good and holy things for us, but also to have a time of silent prayer where we're able to speak heart to heart with Christ, to be able to speak to him of the things of our own daily life, the ordinary things of our world, to spend time even contemplating the scriptures or the words of Holy Mass, to read the lives of the saints and to seek courage from them. These are things that we can do to be able to become a people of prayer. And the important thing about this is prayer is the place where Christ gets to know us. It is in prayer, whether in in intentional longer extension, extended periods of prayer, or even in the shorter prayers offered to our Lord with the fervency of our hearts, the so-called arrow prayers that are shot into the heavens through the course of our day, to ensure that we have time for prayer every day is to ensure that we have time for our relationship with God, that we know his voice, that we know his will, that we have the courage and the confidence to follow after him, and also to ensure that he knows us. To spend time in prayer is simply to allow ourselves to be known by Christ and to be known deeply because we have opened ourselves to him and we have allowed him to become the welcome guest of our soul, to come visit us, as indeed we are able to go and to visit him in the tabernacle. To pray. This is how we prepare. Indeed, the Lord will come one day in his glory and it will catch all of us by surprise. We know neither the day nor the hour. Anyone who speculates is simply speculating. We know neither the day nor the hour, but we do know with certainty that he will come. 
and how terrible it would be to hear those words, I do not know you, and how blessed to hear the opposite words, welcome into the kingdom, faithful servant, enter into your reward.